Well, welcome to the, the, the next edition of Matt's Mates. And uh, I reckon uh, Tim takes the cake for the, the mate who's furthest away at the moment. He, uh, okay. <laughs> we've, had, we've had people in Africa and Paris and uh, Indonesia, but so I think Siberia probably takes the cake from Tasmania in terms of the yeah. furthest, furthest geographical distance. Mate, just help put, it, put us on the map. I mean... Siberia, I, I know it from uh, the uh, you know from from literature and that kind of thing. I I don't really I don't know if I'm, I'm unusual in this. I don't really have a working geography of Siberia. Uh, I know it's okay. up the north of, up the north of Russia somewhere. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So basically, Russia is divided into three chunks. The um, westernmost chunk they actually call Central Russia, so that's a little confusing. But that's the the European side. Um, where Moscow and St. Petersburg are, and a lot of the big cities. And then there's the easternmost side, which is called the Far East, over on the Pacific. And then the middle is called Siberia. Okay. It's, um, yeah. It's traditionally, it's very flat, uh, massive land, and it's where they sent people, obviously, to labor camps and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Is the, the Gulag Archipelago. There's a, yep. there's a famous book, Solzhenitsyn, right? Yep, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and it's obviously very cold as well because we're far away from oceans. We're almost as Siberia is, I think, as far away from any ocean as you can possibly be. And oceans regulate heat. So it just it means that winter can get very cold. So tell us what it, it's cold. Uh, what is what is daily life like? Like what 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 is the community you're living in? Which, which city are you in and what's it like? Yeah, we're in a city called Novosibirsk which means New Siberia, Novosibirsk. That's how you sort of remember how to pronounce it. Um, it's a big city. It's a city of 2 million people. So uh, we're on the edge of it. And so we have Ikea down the road. You know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that's available here. So don't think, you know, Siberia that we're living in a, in a gulag somewhere. Um, and uh, yeah, what, what's what's it like? It's really hard to describe. Obviously, in the winter, you can you'll experience the cold. Um, it gets to minus forty. But now summer's coming, and it's eighteen today, uh, and it was thirty-two yesterday. So it, wow. summer's quite warm. So it's a good thing. Um, it Russia's a, a, a poorer country per capita, obviously, than Australia. I mean, Australia is one of the richest countries in the world, and so the average person here in in Novosibirsk, in our city. Um, will have a monthly income that's, that's you know, less than an Australian's weekly income, significantly less. Uh, so people make do with a lot less than what Australians have. That's one thing that's different. Um, you see that in terms of how often people will you know, go out to cafes or something. So for the average person, going to a cafe is something you do on a birthday. You know, it's like, this is a really significant thing. Um, yeah, not like in Australia where you can go grab a coffee at a cafe sort of any day of the week kind of vibe. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. Is there a, is the family unit strong there? Is there a, like the extended family? Is it, is it a different culture in terms of, like, whereas in Australia, we, I think the family unit is sort of uh, breaking apart a little and people are becoming more and more isolated. Is there a stronger sense of community there than there would be here? It's a really good question. Um, there is a stronger sense of, of neighbor community, um, just in the sense that neighbors come around and help each other. 
uh, fix things. You know, if, you've, if your fence is broken, you tend to know which neighbors are good neighbors and which are bad neighbors. Maybe that's everywhere around the world, <laughs> but, um, but you know, your neighbors will come and help you out. There's, there's that kind of more of that sense of community. Mm. Um, but families tend to be more broken mm. because there's huge problems with alcohol. And so it's very common for um, the men to be just sort of off drunk somewhere and the women to be raising the kids. And so the kids kind of growing up without a dad, Kids are out playing in the street a lot more than you have in Australia without their parents. Um, so, yeah, so there's a sense of kind of community in the street, um, not, not in a really positive vibe of like everything's safe and everyone's happy and everyone's hanging out. It's not like that kind of vibe. It's more a vibe of there are lots of kids playing in the street and it's probably somewhat dangerous because there's a lot of alcoholism around the place. There are, there are, you know, drug addicts who, who shoot up around the place. And so there are needles on the ground. So it sort of feels like, the, yeah, there's community, but it's not that kind of, the kind of safe community that you'd, you'd sort of feel really comfortable in, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. Yeah. It gives, it gives a bit of an idea. I guess before we talk about the whole COVID-19 thing, how does, how does a family from Australia end up in, uh, Novo CSK or whatever. That's you... pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we felt God calling us here actually 16 years ago. Um, so my wife and I were praying. We just met, started dating, and we're, it was you know we're just finishing high school. I was finishing high school, so we were at this at this season where we're like um, you know you, when you're finishing high school, you can take on the world. You know, it's just like, what am I going to do in my life? Become president or, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or what? You know what I mean? Um, and, and so we were praying and saying, God, what do you want us to do with our lives? And really felt God speak to us. Um, I had a vision of a map, uh, and this doesn't happen every day, but I had a picture in my mind of a map where there was a city in the middle of the map and people were coming from all over the map to this city and getting a fire in their hearts. And I knew that there was like a discipleship center in the city. And then they were going out all over the map until there were, there were spots of flame all over this map. So I felt like, okay, God, you're calling me to be involved in a discipleship center in a central city somewhere. And I knew that there aren't in Australia cities in the center of the map. They're all on the coast, you know, big, the big cities. Um, so that was hard for me to try to understand. It didn't, it, it didn't fit. It was like people coming from all over the map to the city. So it meant it was somewhere in the middle of a map. And then my wife, Jo, also was praying about in the same month, had a, also vision of a map, a picture of a map in her head of just an X of borders, and then found this X, went and looked on a, on a globe and saw Russia, China, Mongolia, Kazakhstan. I think that was right from your perspective. Maybe the other way around, Mongolia, <laughs> Kazakhstan. Um, <laughs> and, um, and then looked above this X and saw this city called Novosibirsk. And so she just felt like God, you know, drew her to it like the city kind of jumped out at her and 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 that god spoke to her heart about this city so it was it's an amazing thing i mean this hasn't happened to us again at any point where we've just kind of god's just spoken to us hey you're going to this city <laughs> somewhere else in the world um but it was really clear for us um and so that was a, that was a great thing we were, we were really excited and so we started learning russian and i studied at bible college um and became a pastor in a baptist church in yas I don't know if anyone knows Yas, halfway between um, you know Sydney and Albury. Often mm. it's a good stop off um, for people. So, pastored there for three years, and so we, we basically spent time in ministry, studying, and then in ministry in Australia before um, before moving here six years ago. 
And what was the what was the arrival like? I mean, I, I can't even imagine. Like, I find it hard to. I've done a little bit of travel. I just I find some of the languages almost overwhelming. And Russian seems like this whole other thing. Like, it, it, yeah. it seems like quite a complex language from an English perspective. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a highly inflected language. So the the words the word endings change a lot. Um, like there are cases and and all of that kind of stuff. So in that way, it might be similar to Latin or New Testament Greek, where you, know, you have to memorize a lot, of, a lot of stuff. And then when you're first learning to speak it, it feels like you're doing maths in your head all the time, sort of how, how do I need to put this word? Um, but like any language, you know, if you work at it and practice, then gradually you get there. And so, yeah, so when we moved, it was, it was a shock. That was also a shock. You know, the, you know, speaking another language is hard work. And so yeah. that's really draining. You feel like a baby all over again. Um, and really draining you just by the end of the day, you're exhausted. And then it's also exhausting just learning where the shops are, what yeah. products you can buy. I mean, you go to another country, and even if everything's in English, you still uh, don't know what, what is, you know, what products are in which aisle and, and which ones are the good ones and, and working in a different currency. So there's a lot of energy that that's lost when you, when you're moving somewhere else. But I think that's, that's anywhere in the world. Oh, absolutely. Um, we found the same yeah. thing going to Canada, and that, I, I, I think the, probably the difference between Canada and Australia is less than almost any other country. But I, I still remember the moment we go into one of these massive Canadian supermarkets. My wife just bursts into tears because she doesn't know where to find it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it's, it's a it's a it's a huge thing, and and for you guys arriving central Russia, and I think for us here in Australia, we hear when we hear about. Russia, we're hearing about Vladimir Putin and we're hearing about Moscow. It's like Moscow is the center mm -hmm. of everything in terms of from a Tasmanian perspective. Yeah. Uh, and, and, we, and we're here, like in the, the COVID-19 thing, really, so we hear a little bit about Russia. We mostly hear about the States and we hear about England a bit. Yeah. Uh, and, and there were, of course, Italy. And uh, what's, it, what's it been like on the, uh, from, from, you're in the, the the how's the COVID nineteen thing impacting there, uh, where you are? Yeah, really good question. Um, so we are in Russia. We're experiencing huge numbers of of COVID nineteen cases. So you know there's about nine thousand new cases every day in Russia. So that's the total number of cases in Australia every day, or more than that every day in Russia. Um, it was mainly in Moscow initially. And then Moscow has sort of uh, um, the number of new cases each day has gone, gone down uh, by a couple of thousand, but it's growing all over the rest of the country. So um, the, the, the difference, one of the big differences though with Australia is that people here aren't compliant like Australians are. Um, so, you know, the, our city was meant to be in lockdown and you weren't even allowed to walk your dog more than a hundred meters away from your house. You're like it was fully locked down, but there was traffic uh, on the roads. So, so, you know, someone, one of my friends in London said, it's great riding your bike around London right now. Cause there's no traffic. Hmm. Um, but wow, Novosibirsk, you, you almost, I don't think I've noticed less traffic, um, when I've needed to go out in the car to the doctor or to the shops or something like that. So people just aren't nearly as compliant. And that's, that's probably a good thing for the economy because it means people are, you know, they just kept working. And I think part of that is that they didn't have, they didn't have the finances to just not go to work anymore. I mean, there's no, a lot of people living hand to mouth. Um, so that's one thing, but also just culturally, 
it's a different vibe. People don't, um, in, in Russia, there isn't as much uh, sort of respect for the letter of the law. Uh, there, there are different cultural values. So it's been weird for us because we are here serving God, serving the church. And so for us as Australians, we really like following the rules. Um, and so how do we do that? You know, how do we sort of contextualize? Should we, should we be like Russians and break most of the rules <laughs> in, order to, in order to share the gospel, in order to reach people and, um, or not, you know, should we be like Australians and follow all the rules? How do we, how do we do that, navigate that? Is there much fear around the whole thing? Um, I don't, I don't know. Most people we've talked to are more inclined to conspiracy theories than, than worrying about it. There's, um, I think what you find in countries where, um, over the, over modern history, uh, the news has often reported, um, a certain slant, you know, like during communist times, the, the Russian news would have, you know, reported mm. a certain slant. And so people don't necessarily trust the news as much as they do in, in the West. Mm. Um, even though people in the West don't necessarily trust it fully, but here they'll trust it less. And so there's, it's more, there's more room for conspiracy theories. You know, someone sent me this on WhatsApp. And so I'm more likely to trust this information because it was sent by a friend of mine on WhatsApp than what's showing on the TV. Do you know what I mean? And so a lot of people, it feels more like, you know, oh, a lot of people say coronavirus doesn't exist or, or, or it's all kind of, you know, a made up thing or something. There's, there's more of that than what you have in Australia, which is interesting. I don't know about fear. I haven't really met, I think the opposite. I think people are out on the street. They're not really that worried about it. Uh, people are wearing masks, but a lot of people aren't. So I don't know. How's the church responding? Yeah, so everything's online. Um, yeah, we, I mean, legally aren't allowed to gather at the moment. And even if we were, I don't know if we would be. Hmm. Um, so our, our church is a, is a bigger church. It's got about 800 people or 700 people on a Sunday. So they've got the resources to do quite good quality online stuff. Hmm. Um, but even, even churches that are, are smaller have been doing a great job. Just, you know, we, for example, have an online service on Sunday, which is from the pastor's house. Um, and his, his wife is a worship leader. Is a, she plays piano and sings. So it sort of works out really, really well. She just leads the, the worship, the songs, and he preaches. Um, and then we also have on Thursday nights, a kind of a small group, which is basically also from the pastor's house kind of being live streamed. And then we meet up on WhatsApp in like super small groups, like of four people. Mm. Um, to talk about the, the message on Sunday and to talk about, you know, pray for each other for about half an hour. So that's been working well. Um, you obviously feel like you miss getting together and, and really singing together. You know, I was mm. reading this morning about in Psalm 133, about how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Um, and it's such a beautiful thing when you come together in unity. You know, that was one of the Psalms of Ascent, which they sang when they, they went to the temple together. Um, so I just think, man, I miss that, that, that good and that pleasing thing of coming together in unity and worshiping God. Um, but, you know, I think the church is doing well for, for, what, for what circumstances are, are before us. Do you have a sense of what God's doing in this moment through all this, in, in this whole moment in Russia at the moment? Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a good question. Um, 
I think that, I don't know about Russia in particular. I think for, for, for the rest of the world for, or for the whole world, my sense is that people are more interested in spiritual things. Hmm. Um, obviously, there's, there are statistics that are saying that more people are watching online church than, than ever before. You know, a lot of people have, um, who might never go to church they see a link from one of their friends on Facebook and they go, Hey, why don't I watch that now? Or, you know, so that kind of thing's happening more. I think we're seeing that in the church in Russia as well. I don't know the stats very well. Um, so there's, there's a lot of kind of online evangelism that I think we can do just sharing about, about Jesus online. Um, yeah, I don't know about the church in Russia in particular or what God's doing in Russia. Um, what is, I mean, obviously, the church in Russia through communism was stripped bare. And then, then there's the Russian Orthodox Church, which Putin um, ostensibly aligns with. Like, uh, so, so the history of religion in Russia must be fairly complex. And the place of the church in the society must be, must be interesting, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So evangelical churches tend to be seen historically as, as sects. They're, they're, um, or cults that they've been, especially in communist years, there was a lot of propaganda against evangelical churches, against Baptist churches in particular. They kind of uh, summed all the evangelicals up as Baptists. And then, and then there's, you can look up the propaganda on the internet. If you look up, you know, Soviet Baptist propaganda or something like that, um, you can see these pictures and it's really interesting. Um, so some of that sticks, sticks around in society. Some of that view of evangelicals, um, it feels like, as, as globalization occurs and as people become more of the global world and they, they're, they're looking on the internet and they're connecting with other countries, it feels like those kinds of old Soviet attitudes have been going down and, and we're kind of more accepted as evangelicals in Russia. Um, yeah, so, but it is interesting. Mm. So for you, mate, how, how could we be praying for you and your family as as you navigate this season. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for us, you can obviously pray for wisdom. Um, we've got uh, one interesting thing happened this week where I was walking our dog <clears throat> and I left him outside the shop. I tied him up, up outside the local grocery store and, and bought some milk and came out and there were some kids playing with him. And so I, I untied him and they said, is this your dog? I said, yeah. And then they, they said, can we, can we hold him and, and you know, walk him with you? And I said, sure. So they walked him home with me. I was I only live, you know, five minutes walk from that, that grocery store. And then I introduced them to our kids. They came around. We've got a, a trampoline in the backyard and they were jumping on the trampoline. Pretty soon there was like 10 kids uh, in our backyard, not our own. We've also got five kids. So, <laughs> so there's like 15 <laughs> kids, you know, we've got a big trampoline, which is a good thing. Um, and then they're asking us, can we play, can we ride your bikes and can we do this and can we do that? We've got a chicken coop there. They were playing with the chickens and collecting eggs. And it was really lovely. Um, some of them were from fairly broken homes. And so there were some disciplinary, disciplinary issues that we had to face. But um, it was a beautiful time. And then they kept coming every day. They'd be knocking on the door uh, at about two o'clock. And so most days we let them play. Some days we don't. So that with COVID and stuff, it's really interesting because we haven't been having any guests around. Mm. But these kids are just outside on the street all day. Um, so we, we, we felt our hearts went out to them. And so we brought them in we started sharing Bible stories with them as well, which was really cool. Um, 
So, and there are ministry opportunities opening up as well. We've got a close friend who's a Muslim who uh, we've been studying the Bible together with him and his family, uh, reading, you know, different parts of the Bible together. And so we haven't had him around for this, the last two months during the COVID-19 sort of crisis. And now he's interested in coming around again. And legally we're allowed to have one family over. So it's sort of like things are opening up and we really want to use this time well. Hmm. There is a hunger for God. There is a, there is a realization of brokenness. I think in society, people have run out of money. They've run out of opportunities. They've lost their jobs. So we really want to be able to use this time well to speak to people about the life and hope that we have in Jesus. So yeah, pray for wisdom in that, you know, what opportunities to go for, uh, how to do that wisely so that we don't spread coronavirus in some way. Yeah. That's, I think that's a big question for us. Yeah, absolutely. How can people stay in touch with you? Is there a, yeah, a... If, yep. if you want to get our newsletter, we send out a newsletter, um, then I guess people could write to you and you could, you could send the email, yes. send, me, send me that email address. Um, yeah. Or find me on Facebook. Tim K is my name. I'd love to connect, you know, and just, yeah, be in touch. So fantastic. Well, mate, uh, we'll be praying for you. And, uh, it's a funny old moment globally, this moment where I don't know how often the whole world has been facing something together. Um, and, and it is, you see all the cultural differences coming out. I, I never really thought of Australians as, um, rule abiding people like i never never, <laughs> never really occurred to me it felt yeah. like we're sort of anti-authority but yeah yeah as you look at the rest of the world i think we we do we we do i think that the idea of caring for other people is is part of our culture rather than fighting for yeah. our own individual rights or something i don't know anyway yeah, we, right. it, doing, it, doing a bit for society and for for your for your community i think that's a big australian value yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, really helpful conversation and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be praying for you.